Hey everybody, it is Thursday, July 14th, and you're listening to Nutty in NYC, and I'm your host, Martin Nutty. In this particular episode, I wanted to focus on the coalition that makes up the Republican Party right now. Now, what do I mean by coalition? Well, when we talk about coalitions, we're really talking about voting blocks that make up a party. An example of that was FDR's coalition, which was put together right after the Great Depression, where because of the economic crisis, there was enormous opportunity to reconstruct the Democratic Party by uniting groups that traditionally didn't work together. So think labor unions, blue-collar workers, religious and racial minorities, urban intellectuals, all of these folks came together into FDR's coalition, and that coalition proved to be extraordinarily successful from a political point of view, dominating politics really all the way up to the 1950s and 1960s when the coalition started to fracture as civil rights started to drive a wedge in the Democratic Party between Southern Democrats and urban Democrats. Now, when we talk about the Republican coalition, that's something, at least in the modern-day terms, that has come into existence in the last 50 years. And I think a watershed moment is the 1964 election when Barry Goldwater ran on the Republican ticket. Now, ironically, Goldwater lost that election in a landslide to Lyndon Baines Johnson, but his messaging took hold. And it was a messaging that was different for the Republican Party, which emphasized the desire for smaller government and radical individualism. And the coalition that started to be put together at that point in time I think of it as essentially two groups, the financiers and the foot soldiers. Now, what do I mean here? Well, let's start with the financiers. These guys are, and they're primarily guys, are motivated really by two things, reductions in taxes and reductions in regulations. It's all about the money for these guys. Want an example? Think Charles Koch. He's worth something like $60 billion, he's 86 years old. Politically, he's made his life work to essentially establish a more libertarian approach towards government. Koch essentially only wants the US military, policing, and the courts to control legal disputes over property. For him, it's all about money and property Social services are something that he generally would think are wasteful. Another example of the financiers is Peter Thiel. He's a Silicon Valley billionaire, about 54 years old, worth something in the range of $5 billion. He's kind of like one of the newer guys on the block, Um, but we're going to see more and more money coming out of Silicon Valley that may not be particularly enamored with what is viewed as big spend democratic government. So these guys and their cohorts 
basically view themselves as self-made, hardworking. A lot of them feel like they did it all on their own without any help. They are radical individualists. They believe most government services are wasteful and they have little regard for investment in social infrastructure, think education, think healthcare, think social security. They'd like to see all of that come to an end. Why? Because it means more money in their pockets. And that is the lens through which they view the world, how much they have in their bank account. It's a pretty sorry existence, but you got to understand people's motivations. Now, these financiers obviously represent a very small group of, of people. We're talking about people like centimillionaires or billionaires. There's not that many of them. But their influence is extraordinary. And they contribute enormous amounts of money during the election cycle. And those contributions are not simply confined to the election cycle. They are also directed towards crafting legislation that is ready-made for the Republican officials that they elect. So they spend their money on the messaging to get Republicans elected, and they either do that by donating directly to political candidates, encouraging their peers to direct to donate to political candidates, or through unlimited giving to super PACs, which are organizations that essentially can flood the electoral cycle with enormous amounts of money to drown out everybody else. So they spend their money on the election cycles, but they also spend their money on ready-to-vote laws. A lot of these are crafted by organizations such as ALEC, which is an acronym for the American Legislative Exchange Council. These are basically usually crafting business-friendly laws, primarily aimed at deregulating industry. And of course, any deregulation usually flows to the bottom line and directly into your financier's pocket. So that's one grouping, and it's a small grouping. By far the larger grouping are the foot soldiers. Now, the foot soldiers essentially are the voters that don't have enormous amounts of money in their pockets. They're middle class, some even lower middle class, some even impoverished. And when I look at this particular grouping, they can be broken down into subsegments, some of which are overlapping, but for the purposes of this particular discussion, I'm going to talk about five of them. We have the government skeptics and libertarians. Certainly, a lot of the financiers would line up with this particular group, but it could be relatively small businessmen that have ambitions to become a financier. Next, you've got Christian social conservatives. These are folks that believe that America is a Christian country and that legislation should be crafted to support that notion. So think of the abortion issue that is in the news a lot right now with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Folks in this group would be particularly happy with that ruling from the Supreme Court. 
think of folks that want to ban books because maybe they are perceived as being supportive of the LGBTQ lifestyle. So this particular group is usually motivated by fairly narrow interests, uh, specifically in the two areas that I just mentioned. Another grouping are gun lovers. So like all of these groupings, there's a spectrum. So we've got everybody from hunters to guys that believe that they should be armed to the teeth with weapons of war. Clearly, these are folks that believe that most Americans should have the right to have a gun at home. Many of them believe that Americans should be able to tote their guns around with them in any particular setting. Needless to say, we've seen sorry evidence of the more extreme part of this particular grouping resulting in mass shooting incidents that have been happening all too regularly, certainly in the past few years. On an even darker level, another grouping are, for want of a better word, racist. These are folks that believe that America should be primarily a white country and do not want to accommodate people of color in any way, manner, or form. Many of them became members of the Republican Party back in the 1970s during the period when the Republican Party adopted the Southern Strategy, which was essentially a way to bleed off racist members from the then Democratic Party. How do they bleed them off? Well, in the 1960s, many white Southerners were upset at the passage of civil rights laws that essentially enabled primarily the African-American community to vote after almost 100 years of Jim Crow oppression. And then, related to this particular group on the dark side are xenophobes. These are folks that are primarily anti-immigrant. And this group is related to the racists, in a sense, because most people that now want to immigrate to the United States are no longer coming from Northern Europe. We have people that maybe want to come from the Indian subcontinent. They want to come to America from Africa. They want to come to America from Latin America. And so these are people of color. They may speak a different language. And for folks that believe that America should be white, or for folks that believe that immigrants represent an economic threat because they're a source of cheap labor, these are folks that will refuse to address the extraordinary problem of undocumented immigrants in the United States. How many there are? Somewhere between 10 and 20 million thereabouts who've been living here for, in some case, decades but are unable to come out of the shadows and live a normal life. And their removal would essentially cause the American economy to collapse. All of these foot soldier groups are motivated by messaging that instills fear. And this is cynically financed by financiers, so that's how Republican voters are turned out. So, for example, want to appeal to the xenophobes and racists? Well, just tell them 
that the Democrats plan on opening up the borders and disbanding the INS. And all of a sudden, you've got people motivated to vote. Tell Christian social conservatives that unless they keep Republicans in power, that the Democrats are going to do away with the filibuster and essentially codify Roe v. Wade protections, you can turn them out. So fear of change, a lot of times, is what factors into foot soldier voting. And unless you understand that fear is at the root of the Republican coalition, cynically financed by extraordinarily wealthy people, you really do not know how the Republican Party works. This is Martin Nutty, and you've been listening to Nutty in NYC. The music you're listening to was composed and performed by Leah Rankin. For more on Leah, please visit her Instagram page. That is L-E-A-H-R-A-N-K-I-N on Instagram.